and everything is in your hands. And this message, this was from you, this is not my, my words, but I believe the words that you've challenged me to, to write down and to give to your church. So Lord, have your way, and may they have ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. So today's message, we're going to be looking at God's blessings through trials. And the key verse today is Proverbs 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So let me ask you, church, do you feel blessed? Yes. Crumbs, you're reluctant today, aren't you? Do you feel blessed? Yes. It's a simple question. It's yes or no. Yes. Yes. Thank you. The front row here with me. Yes. I feel blessed. I'm blessed that I'm married to a, a good woman over there and that she hasn't left me yet. Yeah, yeah I, I put that caveat there at the end. But it's a, it's a throwaway term sometimes, isn't it? We say bless you when we sneeze. We say blessings to someone else. But do we understand the meaning of the word? Let's look. What is blessing? Dictionary.com looks at it as a favour or gift bestowed by God, thereby bringing happiness. The invoking of God's favour upon a person. Praise, devotion, worship, especially grace said before a meal. Or approval or good wishes. From the biblical context, in the Old Testament, the word bless has been translated as kneel, praise, congratulate or salute. And in the New Testament, it's translated as being fully satisfied or a happy state of finding purpose and fulfilment in God, as we see in the Beatitudes. From the book of Genesis, God shows he wants to bless us and for us to be a blessing. And Jesus' most notable sermon on the Mount focused on how we can be a blessing to others. But sometimes to be a blessing from God, we need to go through some trials. The story of Joseph shows the trials he had to go through before seeing the blessings promised through his dreams, but also the blessings that will be poured out on his family and the surrounding nations. The story of Joseph is told in Genesis 37, chapter 37 to chapter 50. That's a great story, challenging, but a great story. So I know we've passed it in the Bible plan, but reread it. It doesn't hurt to reread some stories. But I'm going to start from Genesis 37, verse 2. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Just to give some background for those who don't know the story. Jacob was a bit of a scoundrel. But he had two wives, two wives that he was married to, um, Leah and Rachel. But he loved Rachel the more. They were sisters and he loved Rachel the more. Joseph is a child from Rachel. But he also had two other wives who we've seen the names there. Bilhah and Zilpah. Technically, they weren't wives. They were more concubines. People that were given to him to have his way with. And they also provided children. And those are the two brothers that 
two ladies that we're talking about there. So Joseph had two dreams, seen in Genesis 37, verses 5 to 11. And again, for the sake of time, I can't show them to you. But in summary, they pointed to his brothers bowing to their younger brother, Joseph, which did not go down at all well. When he shared these, he never thought he would be disowned or sold into slavery. And this is where we're picking up the story now. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realised that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put in charge of his entire household, he was put in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So let me just point you to that one. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household. It's always the Lord that blesses. Joseph had a steep learning curve. From being a shepherd, which he was before he was abducted, to being a slave in the most advanced civilization at that time. He had to learn a new culture and a new language. Now, anyone who's tried to learn French knows it's not easy to learn a language. Amen? Amen. Yes. Let alone any other language. But he was learning an Egyptian language. And I've heard Egyptian stuff before, and I'm thinking, what? So he got that. Again, I believe that's God giving him that skill. However, Potiphar's wife wrongly accuses Joseph of rape and he's thrown into prison. But God's hand of protection is still with him, as normally this sort of crime would have been dealt with by death, not imprisonment. Genesis 39 from verse 20. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison, where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favourite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. God takes the little we faithfully do for him and blesses it. Despite his situation, Joseph always put his best into every task he did. He would meet Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker in the prison and interpret their dreams. But the cupbearer would forget the kindness Joseph did for him, and he would remain in prison another two years before he's remembered and called to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, as we see in Genesis chapters 40 and 41. For every interpretation he gave, Joseph always acknowledged it was God who was doing the work. From interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph is elevated to Pharaoh's second in command. He is now 30 by this time, so he's endured 13 years of trial, but he still has one key trial left to go. Joseph was 17, a young shepherd when his trials began. 
I believe his knowledge and trust in God took him through them all. He had something about him, as people always liked him and trusted things to him. Again, let me give you some context on the situation Joseph is in. Joseph is sold to an Egyptian. Now, Egyptians at that time were the superior race, and they looked down on anyone who wasn't Egyptian. So he had that going against him. He was a shepherd also. Again, the lowest of the lowest of trades, as far as people were concerned back in the day. So again, he's, he's doubly... He's, he's not Egyptian, and he's not in a, a, an occupation that people want to hire for. So it's the equivalent of trying to get an open-heart surgeon from someone who's just been collecting bins, very much, if you want the modern-day equivalent. Yet, when he first gets abducted, he's, uh, he's treated better than a slave. He's made second-in-command in the household of Potiphar. Great. Then when he gets imprisoned, he escalates up as well. So anyone that's seen the prison fields knows you don't get to those to look after other prisoners until many years later. But Joseph is elevated quickly because there's something about him that's different, something that they can trust in him. Joseph didn't let his circumstances determine his outlook. He acknowledged God was with him, and he seeked his face on what his response would be in that circumstance. However, through these trials, God's hand of provision and providence is with Joseph, and he found favour with everyone he dealt with. His crisis moment comes when he comes before Pharaoh, but God has prepared him for this moment, and he first gives God the glory, and then uses what God has given him only him for that time. He will not only save the Egyptian nation, but most importantly, God's people from desolation. In those many years of slavery and imprisonment, Joseph was learning the ways of the Egyptians and the skills to lead and to deal with people. People skills are still a very important skill to have in this day and age. Dreams can represent divine revelation, while two confirm that the dream will come to pass. Joseph starts the, dream, starts the story with two dreams, and Pharaoh's two dreams begin the fulfillment of Joseph's dreams. God's blessings are towards those who remain faithful to him. Every good thing comes from God. Joseph might have been put off or even run away if God had shown him what he would have to go through to see his dreams fulfilled. Let me show you. He was disowned and left for dead by his brothers. He was sold for eight ounces of silver into slavery to midnight merchants, accused of rape by Potiphar's wife, wrongly imprisoned, as we saw for those many years, and then forgotten after helping someone save their life. After doing all that, do you think most of us would have given up by now? I think from the first one, I would have given up. Joseph doesn't. Joseph stays faithful to God despite the trials. He had scars to show for it, but we see, as we see with the treatment of his brothers, and when he meets up with them years later, he needs to test them to see if they still feel the same about him. And he's also worried about his younger brother, Benjamin. If they'd done that to him, is he okay? But his heart breaks when he sees his youngest brother, and he breaks down privately, but he still does not reveal himself to his brothers. It's only when Judah, who guarantees to his father Jacob 
that he will bring Benjamin back safely and begs Joseph not to harm or enslave him and offers himself in the place of Benjamin that Joseph reveals his true identity to his brothers and they are reunited. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 3. I am Joseph, he says to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves. For selling me to this place, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither ploughing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Some will see Joseph's greatest achievements as being the governor of Egypt. And I know Joseph achieved great things while he was this, but I do feel his greatest achievement was being reunited with his family. He was a young man when he was split from his family, and all he wanted to do was be part of that family. As a younger brother, you're always looking up to your older brothers, and to be ripped from them when they're sinf- by their sinful motives must have been earth-shattering for him. But I believe another sig- significant moment of his life was being reunited with his father and his younger brother, who he had not seen for many years, and by God's grace, God allowed him to see that. Looking at Joseph's story, we see so many people changing for it. The brothers were humbled after what they did to Joseph and dealt with their future situations completely differently. When put in a position of having to take their youngest brother to this Egyptian, who even suspected them of being spies, they definitely showed a more humble and protective spirit towards their kin and to one another. Judah was willing to sacrifice himself in place of his youngest brother. They had seen the hurt that they caused to their father, and I'm sure they did not want to hurt him again. Also, in God's plan, it's sort of clipping the bottom, but I should have shrunk that one. Also, in God's plan, you would have thought that God would use these 12 men to be the key tribes that would build a nation that God would use so powerfully. Because there were tensions and conflicts in Jacob's family, like any other family. But God used them for his purposes to bless the world. Let me just show you. The 12 sons of Jacob, Israel. But by the time they become the 12 tribes of Israel, it's not every name that meets into those 12 tribes. Levi is dedicated to God's service. They dealt with all the things of the temple. And then look at Joseph, the one we're talking about today. He doesn't feature in the 12 tribes, but his two sons do. In man's plan, the first son was always meant to get the key blessing. Jacob instigated that Joseph's younger son would get the bigger blessing, not the older son. And we see this with Jacob himself, who stole the blessing that was rightfully his older brother's Esau. Jacob on his deathbed, on his deathbed, declares blessings on his son, including Judah. This tribe would be the one that leads out the Israelite in the wilderness. And it's the bloodline that would father a kingly line, including David, and also our saviour, Lord Jesus. Judah is not the firstborn, 
but the fourth born. So again, man has his own plans, but God has his. Joseph's trials united him back to his family and restored hope to his father Jacob. Jesus' trials united us back to God, which pleased his heavenly father. So what blessings can we see through our trials? This is Atlas. Do you know? He's that Greek legend that had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I know sometimes it feels like we do have the weight of the world on our shoulders. But sometimes we forget that we have someone who bears the weight of our troubles with us so we can bear them. Our God is able to take us through our trials, but we do need to trust him despite what our senses are telling us, what we see, or what they deceive us with. God wants to build our faith in him, not rob us of the faith he has given us. A quote from James, a 21-day reading plan from Dr. Dio. Trials strengthen us and consequently produce maturity in our lives. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Testing through trials will bring discernment of the will of God. His blessings are found by those who fear and love God and live their lives according to his will. They show a greater fear of him than of the world. Obedience leads to blessings. Disobedience leads to curses. To live in and enjoy God's blessings, we must follow him faithfully, in reverence and adoration of his goodness and love. This brings material blessings which are temporal, those we can enjoy now, and spiritual blessings which are eternal, which we can experience now, but there is so much more to come. Proverbs 11 verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. A great blessing God gives us is to serve him. As we are blessed through Jesus, we also must be a blessing to the world around us. Some trials are going to be training courses for us, which God is calling us into. Some trials we may make for ourselves, but the God-instigated ones are to mature and to build us up. Joseph endured trials so that he could not only be a blessing to God's people, but also to the very nation that would persecute them later. The great blessing God has bestowed upon us is salvation through life in his Son, which we experience by the Holy Spirit. Jesus endured the cross so we could be a blessing with God's redemption, and he continues to be a blessing to generation after generation. Another quote from Think Like Jesus, you version Bible plan, by Dave Willis. The tone of your words will shape the tone of your life. Believe me, I live by that principle since I got married, because you've got to be very careful what you say. <laughs> My case in point. <laughs> to be a blessing in the midst of our trials, we must weigh our words and motivations carefully at all times. Joseph at the start, I would say, was immature in how he delivered what God had shown him. Through humility, he learned how to express his gift, especially when he was given the opportunity to address Pharaoh about his dreams. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast on the trial, 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God's blessings are based on God's grace, and not by anyone's merit or position. Judah became part of the line of Jesus, and Paul and Peter, two of the greatest disciples and apostles ever to walk the earth, had disastrous starts for God, but they made sure they finished well for his glory. Let me just expand on the story of Judah. Now, Judah was the fourth in the tribe of the twelve. Yeah. So when Joseph is sold into slavery, it was Judah's idea. Read it up. Go back into Genesis. Read it up. It's Judah's idea. He's the one that says, well, sell him to the merchants. Get rid of him. Yeah? Judah. But it doesn't finish there. Read the Bible carefully. Genesis 37 starts the story of Joseph. Genesis 38 talks about Judah. Then it switches back to Joseph. Now, the story of Judah in chapter 38, very naughty, very naughty. So he had a son. He had many sons. The first son was um, given to a wife, but he died. So he gave the second son, and the second son didn't want to father his older past son's kids. So he made sure that the woman wouldn't get pregnant, and God struck him down. So Judah said, I don't want to lose. I've got one more son. I don't want to lose that last son. So he says to the widow, let the, 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 the boy grow up, and then when he's of age, I'll send him to you. Well, he comes of age, and the widow is still waiting. So what happens is Judah loses his wife, and he's a bit lonely. And the widow hears that he's um, coming to her town. So she dresses like a, I wouldn't say a, a loose woman, but she dresses down. She doesn't wear her black clothes. She wears something more alluring, but wears a veil. And he doesn't know that he's approaching his daughter-in-law. And he sleeps with her. And he leaves his pledge, you know, the stamp that people put on their letters to say, this is me, a bit like the think the Queen still uses one. And he leaves it with her. Nothing goes past. And then the stories come back to him and says, oh, your daughter-in-law's fallen pregnant. And Judah's outraged. He says, what? That woman, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go and burn her. And they go down to there. And he sends an emissary to go and talk to her. And she says, take this back to your master. And she brings him back the emblem that he'd given her. And he says, oh, Lord, sinner that I am. This woman is more righteous than I. She has twins out of that union. Twins. A bit like Jacob and Esau. Where the first... The, yeah, the, the second one born is the first one that tries to get out. Again, read the story. I can't go into it in this sermon, but read the story. And it's through that line that we have Jesus. So Judah, who's been really naughty up to this point, redeems himself when he tries to take the place of Benjamin. So if he can come back from that, we had the story about Peter last week, remember? From the guest speaker? If they can come back from that, and Paul, all of us, none of us are lost. We've all got it in us to do better. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Be patient in your trials as God is in control. 
Many of us may know the well-known saying, manners maketh the man. For me, the same would go, trials maketh the believer. That's the key for us. Our trials make us who we are. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. God's work in us, God works in us and around us. We have to trust his leading and timing in every season. Our responsibility is to be faithful, patient, and to wait on God. God always shows us what to do and how to do it if we will just ask him. He has a plan for all of us, a good plan, but it's not always the easiest one to follow. James 5.11 We give great honour to those who endure on the suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. God will sustain us despite what we face. In Jesus, the person you are In Jesus, the person you are is not the person you were or the person you will become. In him, you will constantly grow and mature into the best person you can be. God is calling us into something bigger. I began as a reluctant leader, as many of you know. You've heard me many Sundays saying it. But more and more, God has changed my mindset. More and more, I want to know what God is going to do. I need to know what for myself and for you. God is going to stretch us and he's going to take us into uncomfortable places, but he is always good. And all our trials have their purposes. God has called me to be a shepherd through this season and I'm passionate about doing this and will fiercely protect the flock under my care. At the end of it all, we have to come to the conclusion God knows what he's doing. And he always does things for the good of all people. In summary, to see God's blessings through trials, we must be patient and wait on the the Lord. Remain expectant of his hand at work. Maintain a strong relationship with him. But always maintain integrity and remain faithful in all we do for his glory. Lighthouse, I pray that we do allow God to unite us as a family. We are a great family lighthouse. I I pray that he keeps us going forward through the trials and the challenges of this season so that together, not me, not us, but together, we can see the blessings come to pass that he has for us. Amen? Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we know that there will be trials. (laughs) Lord Jesus, you spoke about them so many times when you walked the earth. And God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have been speaking right through from Genesis to Revelation that troubles will come. But Lord, it's how we deal with them. It's how we stand in them that testifies about how God will be seen through those trials. And that's what the story of Joseph states all through, that even in trials, God is good, that he's still sovereign, that he's still supreme that he has the plan. And even though we may not see all of it, Joseph saw two dreams, but he believed in them and he carried them through. And even when Pharaoh's two dreams happened, 
Joseph's one hadn't started to be fully fulfilled yet. But the minute his brothers bowed down to him in Egypt, he saw it. But that wasn't the end. Those two dreams weren't fully fulfilled until the nation was saved. To the tribes of Judah, the tribes of Jacob, who would become the 12 tribes of Israel, came to Egypt and they prospered. Lord, prosperity is not money. Prosperity is not the big house, the big car. Prosperity is having Jesus, the everlasting Lord, the Savior, the King. That's the blessing of God. That's what we hold on to. That is the riches that we're seeking from the Lord. Whatever we get in this life pales in comparison to that. So we're praying, Lord Jesus, that where we have to humble our hearts now, that you will begin to help us lay it down whatever is holding us back from giving everything to you, just as you gave everything to us, Lord, help us to start laying it down now. In this time, we just pray, Lord, that despite our trials, we always look to you and that you be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.